0: Uh, <laughs> you. everyone and welcome back to the Movie Dicks Podcast. I'm Gabriel Chavez
1: and I'm Paul Schendel.
0: Today we are onanizing the 2008 (laughs) movie The Happening. If that's a very obscure reference, it is a biblical reference (laughs) because this movie takes place in Pennsylvania where there's a bunch of Bible Belt people. This movie is an M. Night Shyamalan movie and it is about... A science teacher, his wife, and a young girl struggle to survive a plague that causes those affected to commit suicide.
1: Oh, shit. <laughs>
0: Before we jump into this, I just got to do a disclaimer here right at the top. This is a movie podcast. We are going to spoil the shit out of this movie. Every single one of these movies we re- review, you don't actually need to see them. They are fucking terrible. You, you would actually do <laughs> no, better. Congo was amazing. <laughs> you would actually do better if you do not watch the movies that we are reviewing. That being said, if you want to see this movie or you're interested in seeing any of these movies, don't listen to this podcast until after you watch the movie. I think it'll greatly uh, improve the quality of the experience of listening to this podcast. And you can make fun of it along with us as you're listening to us. It's
1: like letting wine breathe a little bit. You yeah. just gotta let it go a little
0: bit. Absolutely. Some... <laughs> <sighs> so... It is a 20th Century Fox release in association with UTV Pictures and Spyglass Entertainment. UTV has released a lot of titles over the years with titles like Up, Acura, The Lunchbox, and Bolt. Spyglass, you will inevitably know from the classic film The Tourist that we mictorated upon a few weeks ago. They also released Knight's previous movie, The Sixth Sense, the movie responsible for all this mess. A few G.I. Joe movies, as well as Michael <laughs> Mann's seminal film The Insider, as well as Scott Frank's Underwatch neo heist flick the lookout so they do have some good movies in there despite how many bad ones that they release as well Shyamalan's own blinding edge pictures who produced all of his movies produces along with Dune Entertainment who gave us the Fern Gully Dances with Wolves Pocahontas Smurf movie called Avatar as well as such classics as Dragon Ball Evolution and Suicide Squad (laughs) It is produced by Gary Barber, who also produced The Tourist. Yay, another tourist (sighs) reference. Along with the usual company men that come along with Knight's movies, such as Barry Mendel, Sam Mercer, etc. It stars Marky Mark and the fucking Funky Bunch, (laughs) who is great Mm -hmm. in the movie the departed the fighter boogie nights and three kings but it's terrible in spencer confidential transformers broken (laughs) city planet of the fucking apes the truth about (laughs) charlie and the corruptor you remember that movie paul the corruptor with chow yun fat Corrupter. i don't know it sounds familiar but it doesn't matter Doesn't matter, it's terrible. Zoe, I'm an animated mannequin Deschanel co-stars, who you will know from the TV show, The New Girl. This girl is like a barista in LA who got famous and you don't know exactly why or how, seriously. She's
1: so plucky. (laughs) Uh, I mean, there's no one pluckier than her.
0: Seriously though. Can you see her pouring coffee at you know the bean on Pico yeah. Boulevard and talking about how she's testing for a pilot? You could see that, right?
1: She probably was, and uh, <laughs> she just took so much shit from some film executive over the years. He was like, <laughs> "Oh man, she's great for this role. She'll like turn a dark sky upside down and make rainbows sure. shoot out of her ass. Sure. Or like that. <laughs> so goddamn plucky."
0: Moving on. John, I've been in everything. Can you finally remember my name now? Langanzamo, who is great in Carlito's way, Tu Wong Fu, and I'll even give him Summer of Sam, but he is awful in Joe the King, the pest and collateral damage.
1: Oh man, you forgot his best role in uh what is it?
0: The fan. Return
1: of no return of the living dead or
0: no. Oh yeah, no. yeah, 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 yeah. Which one Wait, is that? Uh, you're talking about the one with the punks, George right?
1: Romero. George Romero's like, oh, you're talking about, zombie. yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. You're talking about Land of the Dead, Land, of Land
1: the dead. of the Dead. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> that movie, that movie, only works for me because of how fucking violent it is. Like, it's so over the top, and there's a lot of money there. But like, it's, yeah. it's so poorly acted and poorly. <sighs> Well, they got
1: rid of the, like, practical effects, too, for all, like, 90% of the gore, which is pretty disappointing.
0: I mean, they do have a couple of good, like, practical effects in there, but, like, yeah. anything that's really close up, they're doing, like, a lot of digital work in order to clean up yeah. and shit like that, and it's unfortunate. yeah. But, anyways, rounding out the cast, of course, is M. Knight Shyamalan, who played the guy who won't take no for an answer that keeps calling Zoe Deschanel's character named Joey. Maybe this is a theme. Someone said no to M. Knight about this movie, but he wouldn't take no for an answer. <laughs> Uh, the rest of the cast is populated by 144 credited roles. I really don't remember there being that many people who stood out in this movie, but I digress. Yeah, everyone, uh, everyone
1: has their line of dialogue, man. I guess. This must have been a SAG actor's dream. Got, I don't know. Got one line. And get your SAG card. You're going to be on set for uh, two weeks. You get nine (laughs) hundred.
0: You get nine hundred and fifty bucks for the day if you open your mouth. Yeah,
1: that's pretty good, man.
0: And you're if you do that three times over the course of your career, you're eligible for your SAG card. All right, (laughs) keep that in mind. So only one writer is to blame for this movie, and that is M. Night Shyamalan. Uh, to contextualize this guy's meteoric rise to fame, The Sixth Sense was his first movie. No one knew his name and he was working as a script doctor and selling small scripts here and there. The biggest thing going for The Sixth Sense at the time was Bruce Willis was in it. Haley Joel Osment wasn't really a known actor at this time prior to The Sixth Sense, unless you remember him as Forrest Gump's son, which is I do, yeah. kind of worth noting, yeah, for sure. And <laughs> <laughs> with the success of The Sixth Sense, with an adjusted gross of 593 million, which would make it bigger than The Dark Knight domestically. He became Hollywood's top paid screenwriter, making an unheard of five million dollars for writing the movie Signs. That's just for writing it, not to mention directing on top of that, and anything Man, that he got good, as a producer. Pretty
1: good gig. So there. he
0: he did become the top paid writer in Hollywood because of his meteoric rise. Now he's known for doing bad movies and bad television that mostly tank. <laughs> he hasn't he hasn't made anything that's made money in a while. It's 91 minutes long, it's weak, and it still seems long even at 91 minutes and was produced for $48 million back when mid-budget high-concept movies were being made. I use high concept here as a loose term because I mean that that at one time, Hollywood used to make 40 to $60 million movies with good directors who have made some big money at some point and the films would make a decent chunk keeping the studio afloat between like franchise pictures but now the studios and everybody in Hollywood has kind of shifted over to this new idea which is if it's not a million dollar movie, it's going to be a $200 million movie. Like there's nothing <laughs> in between anymore. Yeah. And it's it's kind of too bad because like mid-budget movies are, it was like a bread and butter kind of thing. You know, like they would make eight or nine of them a year in a particular territory, in a particular studio. People would make some decent money. You know, the studio would make a decent amount of money off of it. And then they'd move on. They'd do another one like that. You know, it was a very easy formula that they were able to put out some decent movies this way. This is how Michael Douglas actually survived for like a majority of the 90s was mid-budget mm, pictures. Yeah. It's, it's Disclosure. unfortunate. Disclosure. Uh, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. You know, dude, I, the game, the game is still one of my favorite movies. The you game know I mean? is badass. Yeah, that's you know, Fincher, right? Yeah, that's you know Fincher. the the, right, the, right. the ending. The ending is complete horseshit. <laughs> you know, it's so manipulative, uh, yeah. and I'll I'll admit that it is not cleverly written. But I mean, what can you expect? Uh, it's from... all about the journey, though, man. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But what can you expect <laughs> from the guys that went on to write Terminator Salvation? You know what I mean? It's a <sighs> yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah. I was so excited about that movie.
0: I was too, man. Uh, filmed just, in New
1: Mexico and yeah. had Christian Bale yeah. and he was yelling at that guy. <laughs>
0: And and McG <laughs> McGee, the director as much as I hate him he was saying he was gonna take it seriously because he was saying he was referencing Children of Men that he wanted to do a lot of long takes apparently on the first day of production he like handed out copies of Cormac McCarthy's The Road to all the primary cast and crew because he said that that was the style that he was going for like this like dark post apocalyptic world where like it's pretty much hopeless you know what I mean yeah. And I was excited when I heard that and then. I saw the movie and I was like, what the fuck? (laughs) It's like the studio just took a hold of it and threw all of his, I mean, I think it was him though, because he is a fucking trash director if I've ever seen (laughs) him. Moving on, it was released on June 13th, 2008 on 2,986 screens and opened at number two at a $30 million opening weekend. The Incredible Hulk, yes, the Edward Norton pile of shit was number one that weekend on its first weekend of release with $55 million opening, that's mostly because of the PG-13 rating against the R-rated mood ring of a movie that we're talking about right now. Kung Fu Panda comes in in third on its second week of release. Adam Goddamn Sandler's You Don't Mess With The Zohan is in its <laughs> second week in the number 4 slot and Paul uh, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Goddamn oh, Skull nice. is in its fourth week of release rounding out the top 5. Uh, this this is without a doubt are sort of dark times, man. <laughs> what <laughs> one of the most horrifying top five box office collections like seriously dude you know 2008 was the year of the dark night right the dark yeah. Knight was literally released a month after this on july 16th but god damn if this year did not have some dark fucking horrible <laughs> movies during 2008 uh,
1: no it was, it was yeah an- <laughs> we've revisited uh this kind of time time area and uh I forgot how like dark and <laughs> shitty a lot of these movies are, like post nine eleven.
0: Yeah. Shit, yeah. There are there are a lot of bad uh, ones during that time period. Yeah. Uh it was it was in theaters for two hundred and two days, stumbling across the finish line with a very modest sixty-four million dollar domestic and a really strong hundred and sixty three million dollars worldwide. <laughs> it's gross makes it the eighty fourth domestic opening weekend in June of all time, behind two thousand sevens knocked up and ahead of nineteen. 19- 98's the X Files movie. Go ahead, Paul. Enjoy that moment because I know you're a huge oh. X Files fan.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the I mean I love the show. The movies are kind of eh, it's better as a show. The,
0: the 98 say. one wasn't terrible though. Like I didn't mind the 98 movie. I didn't I didn't like the uh, the one uh, I want to believe. Was that the name of uh, it? Yeah, I didn't yeah. like that one. But you know, I, I didn't mind the 98 X-Files movie. Yeah. I thought it was all right. It is the 108th opening of all time for an R-rated movie with 1992's Bram Stoker's Dracula leading it and 2017's John Wick Chapter Two trailing it. Its smallest market was Nigeria with $7,382 opening and a 12800 it's, 800- eh, it's not terrible. <laughs> <laughs> and a $12,822 gross. At five dollars and twenty-one cents American or two thousand thirty-one twenty-two Naira. I think that's how you say it. N-A-I-R-A. That's their dollar. Two thousand thirty-one twenty-two in two thousand eight per ticket. That brings asses and seats to one thousand four hundred and sixteen point eight nine people saw this opening weekend. I guess Johnny Quarter slice didn't make it down to Nigeria in two thousand and eight like he planned. Yeah. You know, I I heard I heard it was a problem with his seating arrangement, Paul, on the plane, because he's a yeah. cheap. Fuck! He didn't want to pay. He didn't want to pay for the extra leg room because he doesn't have any legs.
1: They uh, <laughs> <laughs> tried, but then they kicked him off.
0: Yeah, mm. you know, he wanted to put like his his checked bag like in his leg room um, area because he didn't need the leg room. <laughs> I
1: see them dragging him off the plane
0: with no legs, <laughs> screaming, not kicking, but. Uh, <laughs> you gonna make a joke about how he doesn't need to buy shoes anymore next? Really, go, really? Maybe go? next week. Uh, I'll have to think of some better ones. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So there were 150.3 million people in Nigeria in 2008, which means that 9.427, one one hundred thousandths of one percentage point of Nigeria saw this opening weekend. It's got a perfectly lukewarm rating of 5.0 with 191,921 votes on IMDb, a 34% on Metacritic, and a stunning 18% on Rotten Tomatoes with a 24, 24, I was going to say, 24 inch that's not correct 24 percent audience score that means that this is actually our lowest rated rotten tomatoes movie that we've done thus far paul wow not not the lowest rated for metacritic because that honor goes to congo with 22 percent on (laughs) metacritic but (laughs) definitely the lowest on the rotten Tomatoes scale lastly it's rated r for violent and disturbing images you know paul I will I will honestly say, man, like this movie being rated R, it didn't need to be rated R. Like it's not yeah. violent enough to be rated R. I mean, I guess that like that stabbing thing at the beginning, yeah. like you see it go through the neck. That's a little graphic.
1: I'm pretty sure it was like the, uh, I think the MPAA has, you know, representatives from the different faiths as their their <laughs> yeah, judges do. or whatever you want to call it. They There's do. the Catholic guy who's like, oh, suicide, yeah. R rating.
0: Yeah, too many yeah. R. Too many I, I suicides could see that for an R rate. I know. could see that, man. <laughs> yeah, you know, like that, that's actually a, a really good point that you bring up because it's it's true, man. Like the the MPAA does have, uh, I think it's four clergymen yeah. that sit in. I, I just rewatched this film is not yet rated yeah. actually recently, yeah. and I, I fucking love that movie. You want to talk yeah, about great a great movie. documentary? <laughs> hilarious, and I I can't stop laughing every time I watch that movie because it's just like it's so bad what happens with the MPAA, man. It's just like yeah. they're they're like they're like a fucking i don't even know the right word i guess they're just like a judgmental parent you know they're like well yeah. you know what you did yeah <laughs> we're not gonna tell you what you did but you sit there and you think about it and then you you know you you tell me about it later and then maybe you'll not be grounded and i'm like jesus christ yeah it's, it's, there's it's, no it's, consistency there so paul pitch this movie to me all
1: right i gotta think of my best m night Shyamalan voice you ready
0: hi how about Shyamalan? <laughs> <laughs> all
1: right all right we'll do it normally all right no My name's Emanite Shaman, and I'm a hot shit writer-director. You might remember me from my movies that uh, made you millions and millions of dollars. So let's get right to it. When when was the last
0: one? When was the last one that you did? Shut the fuck up.
1: All right. (laughs) Remember that with the dead people? I see dead people. Everyone knows that. Sure. Yeah. So I was uh, was shitting on the toilet last night. (laughs) After I was done, I went down and looked, and I saw a bunch of corn still in my shit. And I was like, ah, how can I turn this into a twist? And I started thinking about Pennsylvania, where I'm from, you know. (laughs) and uh got thinking about the corn and all the farmers out there and i was like oh man they like put a lot of pesticides and shit on their plants and then i thought oh Oh, but the twist is the plants attack the people oh my god so i worked i worked backwards from there and i set up a psychological thriller (laughs) kind of with 9-11 elements because that's uh that's (laughs) what
0: everyone's thinking about right now and uh so Wait, are you gonna the say bitches. that the plants? Are you gonna say that the plants caused 9/11?
1: Well, they're causing a 9/11 like incident.
0: Okay. Here's okay, how yeah. it works.
1: Okay. People just start killing themselves in random ways. All of a sudden, they just drop their shit, start <laughs> killing themselves, and it turns out it was the plants. Can you believe that? That's a fucking brilliant twist. Whoa,
0: whoa, 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 whoa! You just blew my fucking mind. I would like fifty
1: million dollars. And twenty-five percent of the box office, please.
0: (laughs) Sure, why not? We got nothing else on the docket. We're gonna get we need a summer release. We may as well lead with this because we're limping to the fucking barn. (laughs) dude seriously you know the first time i saw this movie i have to admit you know like i, w- I was waiting for something that was going to be interesting you know like it was going to be you know some wild twist that i wasn't thinking yeah, of and i it thought it was going to be Shyamalani. well right? yeah i mean even if the <laughs> twist sucked like you know the village like i i was still <laughs> waiting for like a twist that was really going to like yeah. blow my mind or at least piss me off but like this movie doesn't have a twist necessarily it's just kind of like they say it from the beginning you know the plants did it the plants are doing it yeah. and to structure this whole movie around like plants attacking but through like wind it's not even like it's not even like in the evil dead remember in the evil dead when the girl runs into the woods and the woods like grab her and attack her and then that like (laughs) limb shoots through the frame and like rapes her you remember that
1: yeah i do remember
0: it wasn't even that dude you know it wasn't any it wasn't even like these plants are like shooting out tendrils and like smashing through people's throats or whatever it wasn't anything like that it was just like the wind was blowing these toxins around it is the least filmic fucking thing that you could put on the
1: screen well i mean he was trying to play on his sight unseen kind of <laughs> you know strengths that he he works so well with with signs and you know uh the dead movie and so <laughs> uh so he's like oh the wind it can be scary and you never know when the the, the toxins are gonna come but you can show <laughs> the wind blowing Ooh, oh shit but oh, I think yeah. the twist at the end is uh, you know that it just stops it's over. you know
0: I I think <laughs> I think the most perfect line in this movie is when they're running through the field trying to get away from those other people that are being overtaken and he's like oh my god here comes the wind here comes the wind and they all stop and then like the wind blows over them and they all look at each other and he's like nothing happened and I'm like that is a perfect sentiment <laughs> for this movie like nothing happened <laughs> like mm-hmm. the whole goddamn movie nothing yeah. happened right off the bat Paul I got I got a bitch because uh happy fanfare 20th century logos at the very beginning yet silent logos for UTV and spyglass I'm like okay so this is just a minor thing about filmmaking right like if you're gonna establish a mood you start it from the very beginning you know like from the opening credits and like take for instance I you know M. Night Shyamalan mood and atmosphere is everything so like there's a lot of great directors over the years that have like done this to opening credits they like fuck with it in order to reflect the studio logos in order to reflect what they're trying to get across in terms of the mood, like the the Zombieland movies, you know, like Columbia Pictures, like in the new one, the new Zombieland, the Columbia girl is like standing there with the torch, and the zombie runs through the frame, and she uses her torch <laughs> to bash the head into the zombie, and it's like it's things like yeah. that, you know, like because it immediately sets up the tone of the movie. Mm-hmm. And it makes you laugh and like it's violent. And so you're like, yeah, you know, that's that's what I came to a fucking Zombieland sequel for is that yeah. kind of shit. With like Gladiator, for instance, right? You know, like the sepia tones, the right. music by Hans Zimmer. It's very like atmospheric and whatnot. But like this movie having happy fanfare for 20th Century Fox. And then we sit through literally <laughs> 35 seconds of logos in dead silence. Yeah. I'm like, okay, yeah, you're totally fucking with me already right off the bat. But then and it opens. People murdering themselves. Yeah. <laughs> But then it opens on that fucking shot of like the clouds moving, you know? And it's like, Oh wow. Time-lapse of clouds. It's so fucking creepy. Like, did he think that this was going to be creepy when he saw it? Like, you know, when I look at clouds moving, especially in time-lapse, I'm not thinking creepy.
1: Fear the clouds.
0: (laughs) Fear the clouds. You know, this almost strikes me as that family guy joke with Stephen King, you know, like where he's sitting in an office and he's trying to pitch his latest book. And he's like sitting with his agent and he's just like, it's, uh, it's about a desk lamp and the desk lamp is like attacking somebody in a cabin rah, rah. <laughs> like, the agent looks at him and he's just like ah, when can i have it the man
1: does write
0: a lot of <laughs> material there yeah, <laughs> eventually does. you're gonna run out <laughs> He does, but M. <laughs> Night Shyamalan doesn't have that excuse, but it sure feels that way with this movie because it's just like he just pulled out whatever was in his ass at that moment, you know, like he saw the bees and like, it was like, oh, the bees are dying. Maybe if I apply that to people, people will be scared and I'll make it about something that we can't see, like pheromones that are being emitted from the trees. <laughs> but then. But then the opening credits uh, have that really melodramatic cello from James Newton Howard. And like, I love James Newton Howard as much as the next guy, but like his score in this movie is just cloying and irritating for a majority of it. It's just like, be scared, be scared, uh, be yeah. scared. Yeah. It's like, there's nothing in it. That's actually scary. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Yeah, I don't remember the score too much. It was yeah, yeah. not very memorable it's, to me. It's yeah, but <laughs> you know, the cast the cast <clears throat> the cast should have clued us into this movie, Paul. Like having Marky Mark, Zoe, and John Zamo as your three main leads, like mm should have clued us into how this movie was going to (laughs) go.
1: I I will admit when I first saw it, I thought it worked enough to not be a piece of shit. (laughs) But then I rewatched it a few days ago and I just like laughing during these serious (laughs) scenes at how bad the acting was. And I don't know, maybe it just didn't age well or it was just bad to begin with. And
0: that's actually, that's actually my next point, dude. Like this, this is not going to age well like this, just the opening logos in general it's like a 90s trailer you know it's almost like it has like those flash frames and where you hear like that weird like shing sound that they used to use in all of the fucking 90s trailers it's like that (laughs) you know i've had a real problem with m night shaman over the years because he just keeps like looking up his own ass lady in the water is a perfect example of this his character is the writer in the apartment complex and like in the fucking script, somebody says that the writer is the most important, smartest person in the story. And I'm like, okay. So not only is he like, <laughs> dude, it's so self-effacing and irritating. I'm like, wow, you are really flexible, M. Night Shyamalan. I didn't know you could blow yourself like that. Like- <laughs> it's unbelievable but you know like he he does it again in this movie first line of the movie is the girl is sitting there in Central Park with her friend and she says she just looks up confused and she says I forgot where I am and it's like this really serious like moment but it's obviously a MacGuffin because immediately after the girl's just like oh you're on that part in the book where he does the two guys have the crippled girl tied up and they're trying to figure out what they want to do with her and she's like oh yeah that's right and she gets all excited and she goes back to reading her book and I'm like thank you for that terrible macguffin like it's just it's (laughs) way too dramatic for something that in the context of the conversation is not dramatic it's the artifice of it that's fucking irritating (laughs) the way that he shows this event is being creepy is he shows people standing still for a while and then they start walking backward and i'm like okay so my, my constant thought throughout this movie was, how does this like pheromone work? Because like everybody does exactly the same thing. They start walking backwards and somehow the pheromone is embedded itself enough in people's like neurotransmitters for them to seek out what the closest way of killing themselves effectively is. And like my biggest example (laughs) is that scene where they're in traffic and that guy's like talking to the cop and the cop pulls out his gun and shoots himself and he drops the gun and then the taxi driver gets out of the cab and like walks up to the gun, picks it up and shoots himself and he somehow drops the gun another six feet in front of him and somebody else walks up and picks up the gun and shoots themselves. Like this is is a very specific set of scenarios and events in order to create (laughs) this. And the pheromone is somehow telling people where the gun is and allowing them to have enough cognitive response in order to know that that's the easiest way to kill themselves in that moment. They don't run up. Well, to I think event. it's uh,
1: probably affecting the uh, medulla amagata or whatever it's called, the, <laughs> the, medulla the reptile amagata. brain, and so <laughs> it's leaving the cognitive part alone, but yeah, uh, you know, the the more basic instincts of your brain
0: are being fed. But what it what is the most basic instinct I, of needing to kill yourself right like if you if you want to look at like a lemur right Uh, a lemur no lemur a lemming i'm sorry a lemming a lemming runs off the edge of a cliff and kills itself right because it saw another person in front of it or another lemming in front of it kill itself so like in terms of these people the closest thing that they could kill themselves with is just bashing their head violently into something (laughs) (laughs) so like (laughs) If this was a different movie and I saw people go like 28 days later rage virus like just start running and they just start smashing their heads into the fucking wall or like putting it through glass windows or whatever and like slashing their throats with the cut glass, that would freak me out, you know? But like this walking backwards shit, slowly pulling out the (laughs) hair thing and like sticking it in the artery. Um,
1: I think it's supposed to be... Inexplicable and unexplainable and spooky.
0: It's 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 what's the line that they keep saying in this movie? It's an act of nature that we'll never completely mm. understand. It's just like a an out for him for writing shitty shit. (laughs) No, we're never gonna understand (laughs) it. All right. right. (laughs) Let me
1: ask you this. I gotta I gotta know because I was thinking about this while watching the movie. Like if you had to kill yourself, what would be your preferred method? Or like, how would you want to go out? You mean
0: cognitively, like, or if something is taking control of me, like in this movie? I don't know. If you had a choice, you know. Okay. If if I had a choice, (laughs) if I had a choice, honestly, it would have to be quick because I wouldn't want to, like, you know, be fucked up like that, like that fucking South Park where that guy shoots himself and like fucks it up like (laughs) twelve times. (laughs) (laughs) I, (laughs) I, I, I laughed so hard. I laughed so hard. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't want that to happen. So like <laughs> if, if I don't own a gun. So let me just say that right off the bat. I don't yeah. own a gun. So like for me, it wouldn't be easy for me to kill myself like that because I know with a gun, you know, you stick it in your mouth, you point it up 45 degree angle. So it goes between the medulla oblongata and the back of your brain and it cuts off your brainstem immediately and you're dead within 10 seconds, you know, it wouldn't be like that. I guess if it was me living in New York, I think maybe the quickest way to do it would be to jump in front of a subway train. Maybe that's a pretty good way of doing it. Because I mean, a, a subway train weighs about a, weighs about nine hundred thousand pounds, <laughs> and it's going about forty miles an hour. Like the amount of force that I would be hit with, I think would probably kill me instantaneously. Yeah. I probably wouldn't feel it. I guess my next one would be to jump off a tall building, go to Manhattan, nah, and nah. try to take a head. See, I think that'd off be fun. The- <laughs> uh, that'd be a good. But it would like, it would it would give you time track. to know what you did on your way down. <laughs> that, would be, that would be terrifying. Mm. You know what I mean? Is that you would know but, on your way down? Like, wow! I what fucked up. I fucked up really badly on this one. I, I mean, I don't know, man. I I haven't heard any statistics about that about how long you stay alive after you hit the deck. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah. You know, i mean i guess i land I think there's
1: head, well i mean it depends on how hard
0: you hit but i mean there's not much left <laughs> <laughs> i mean if you land on your head like you do some like ricky o head explosion hitting the ground type thing you might yeah. be gone pretty quick but like yeah. if you land on your feet or your back <laughs> like i don't know man that would be it's a not terrible not, way to go
1: uncomfortable yeah
0: <laughs> you know actually i had a i had a roommate just before i moved to la that she was a um, forensic pathologist. Yeah, He was telling me that the quickest, most painless way to go is you take a belt and you put it around your neck and you tie it to a doorknob and you sit down on, you squat down on your heels and you lean forward, right? So that you get tension on the belt and you just let yourself sit there with this tension on your throat. And what it does is it puts pressure on your artery and it makes you pass out. And when you pass out, all your weight hits the, the windpipe yeah. oh. and you just drift off. It's like you falling asleep. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, you know, that, that makes sense. You know, like if I try to hang myself, if, I, if you dark. fuck up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, so you do not want to fuck up. That, that's the worst <laughs> if you fuck it up.
0: If you fuck it up uh, and you're sitting there, oh man, uh, like that guy that drank Drano that we talked about, you yeah, know, like him, that yeah. dude fucked All up, right. man. All right, so, let's move on. So uh, a bad thing about writing here is that Claire's friend, the girl at the beginning's name is Claire. And throughout this movie, whenever it needs the exposition of like showing how creepy the event is, there's always one person that's not being affected by the pheromones while everybody else is being affected by the pheromones. And Claire's friend is sitting right next to Claire and everybody ahead of this woman and behind this woman including her friend Claire sitting right next to her is being affected, but this woman is somehow not being affected long enough for her to look around and be like, what's happening? oh my God, what's happening? And like see Claire pull the thing out and stick it in her neck and so she can like have that reaction. (laughs) And I'm like, this is just terrible screenwriting because we need a particular POV of a character within the scene in order to experience this awful event with. And that's the only reason why this one person isn't being affected, even though it makes no sense with everything else that's going on in the scene.
1: I think Shyamalan has used that trick in a lot of his movies where he has people on screen they're reacting to what they're seeing and that's what disturbs you more than just watching the event like there's the whole i remember signs and uh in the middle of signs there's like a newscast or something like that and it's like oh this is found footage oh the video uh, being right and so you don't Rizzo. even actually see... I mean, I guess you see the alien, but it cuts right after you see it. It cuts to... Uh, what's his name's face? Joaquin Phoenix, yeah. Well, yeah, Joaquin Phoenix. And his reaction is what like sells that whole sequence yeah. more than anything else. Problem with that in this movie is most of the
0: actors fucking suck. <laughs> and so... <laughs> They don't sell it the way it needs to be sold. And it just falls down. Throughout this episode, I'm going to continually refer to his poor screenwriting, right? So like having the first sort of moment of levity that's like crushed by something horrifying happening is the scene right after the opening park scene in Central Park. And it says that they're at that construction site and there's all those construction workers standing around and they're saying that Wendy joke. You know, the guy has the penis tattoo that says W-Y. And he's just like, my girlfriend's name is Wendy too. What's your girlfriend's name? And he's like, No, my tattoo doesn't say that. It says, welcome to Jamaica, man. Have a nice day. (laughs) And it's like, what is Shyamalan, 12? 12 12-year-olds will tell that on their playground. That's not what, like, construction workers are going to stand around talking about. Construction workers are going to make some foul joke about your mother, like, farting out a fucking, like, intestinal like war or whatever <laughs> you know, they're, gonna, they're gonna say something really terrible it's not gonna be this fucking lame wy tattoo joke that literally everybody in america has probably heard by now you know what i mean you know they would be talking about felching or the fucking aristocrats <laughs> or something you know what i mean it would be really nasty i don't think i think you don't give them enough credit i mean they, they agree classy <laughs> all right While the construction worker scene is creepy at first, when you first see it, people like, you know, especially that scene where they're the shot when they're looking straight up and you see them like falling off. You think about it for 10 seconds, it ruins the scene. Because the fact that all these guys are working on high rise construction in New York and don't have safety harnesses attached to anything begs me to ask the question, does the virus make you take off whatever protective gear that you have in order to kill yourself? In the nearest well, yeah. like large spectacle death because <laughs> all of these are about large spectacle deaths it's not about something simple you know what i mean it's always about right. like, hanging or like slicing your wrists open or falling off of a building or stabbing yourself in the neck or shooting yeah. yourself in the head well, there's it's a lot
1: more guy too i mean
0: yeah cool. i mean that's a large spectacle death <laughs> but you know you know what i'm saying though like these guys are working high-rise You know, at least half of them are going to have their harnesses connected. Does the virus know enough in order to make them disconnect it, which has two fucking, like... Well, the virus knows nothing.
1: It's about making you switch your survival mode from on to the opposite of kill yourself. So, But you're still cognitive, and so you look around and you're like oh jumping off this building is be easy but you know the safety harness will be in the way I'll just take that off real quick. Boom.
0: So maybe easy. maybe maybe I am reading into this too much because I actually I actually suffer from this uh I can't remember what they call it, but there's this like mental condition that people have that uh, it's like this one of self- several. Yeah one of the several uh, <laughs> but, that one of them is that when I'm when I'm standing on the edge of something, whether it be a cliff or a building or up high or whatever, part of me the first thing that I think of is like, man, I wonder what it would be like to jump off this shit. That's the first thing that goes through my head. It's the adrenaline junkie part of me or something. But there's a, there's an actual psychological name for this condition is like thinking about your mortality in this like grotesque way.
1: I think it's less of a virus and more of a psychotropic substance sure. think of like mushrooms or yeah like uh, acid lsd
0: or something like that
1: that's or a yeah. neurotoxin is probably closer so it's not a virus <laughs> okay. viruses okay. take too yeah. long
0: you're, you're like, right i'm sorry <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about psych- psychotropic drug from now on so right away casting marky mark as a science teacher i don't buy it <laughs> have you ever in any of your schooling or anybody that you know ever okay. had a science teacher that was built like marky mark i have not you know the, the only one that I can but say I'm is gonna gonna say fucking- like New York
1: public schools probably have you know low bars pennsylvania as as, public schools you know oh no well, he's no, no. from new york originally no they right? start starting they, in, start, in new they york.
0: start in new york but where he is is pennsylvania like he teaches in a pennsylvania school they never talk about like exactly where he's from john leganzamo's huh. like wife is in like princeton new jersey or whatever during all this and they talk about new york but like they don't tell, tell you where marky mark is from other the only the thing i was gonna say was that the only person that i can think of that is like that is your math teacher in college <laughs> 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 that's the only person that i could think of that would qualify like this you know but like that was a very yeah. like specific set of stimulus that like goaded <laughs> him into becoming that person you know what i mean it's not just like his everyday maintain type shit i don't know i mean nord had a
1: uh Masters in mathematics, and he was a Iron Man. So. But he's not built like Marky
0: Mark. You know what I mean? Like he's fit. Yeah. All right, so let's That's move for sure. on past this. For a
1: <laughs> well, Marky Mark never takes a shirt off in this movie, so it's. I mean, you can tell he's fit, but it's not like he's <laughs> cut.
0: Or anything not like, like he has <laughs> cum gutters out all the
1: time <laughs> uh, the yeah uh, my new where famous, did I hear that yeah, for the first my time my new favorite thing was it Rick, Rick and Marty yet? I think yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so uh
0: <laughs>
1: Jesus has the the most bestest cum gutters of
0: anyone <laughs> Moving on. I, I have a real problem with that opening scene with him with the student too, because he does that really weird, like, come on to that student. You know, you should be concerned about these things because your face is perfect, Jake. And he starts like talking about, about like how your nose and your ears grow like a certain amount every year, fractional and an inch or whatever. And like the kid starts getting really weirded out. And he's just like, don't worry about it, man. It grows a fraction of an inch. You're going to be a heartthrob your whole life, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, this is really weird. In retrospect, with like, you know, Joe Paterno and shit like that, (laughs) especially being in Pennsylvania, you know, like I don't really like this all that much. It really, it really bothers me. That I found more disturbing than the whole fucking, you know, premise of this goddamn thing when they go into the theater and there's the principal and everybody talking and he says like that one guy says, there seems to be an event happening. They just said the
1: name of the movie. Who talks like that?
0: Seriously. Like it's not, Oh, there seems (laughs) to be an event happening. It's like, dude, fucking terrorists are doing shit. We got to get the fuck out of here. You know, it's not (laughs) that this event is happening right now, but the principal mr poindexter with the blue tie knows all three stages of the symptoms of the chemical toxin while it's happening he's just starts listing this off and i'm like (laughs) why why is he saying this and i start realizing oh it's exposition because they want to explain what happened earlier and they want to tell the audience this is what you look for plenty there's plenty of that (laughs) this this is what you should look for in order to be creeped out by this movie we need to have this scene of exposition but whatever there's there's all these moments in this movie where he like makes these comments about like oh that's really weird and it's always in relation to like the trees or the park or whatever and it's like he knows something that the audience doesn't but the way he says it and the way he delivers it is just like it's weird it doesn't belong and his delivery of it doesn't work because like in this scene The guy starts talking about the three stages of like the toxin, right? And what is happening. And he says, where, you know, what's going on? He's like, it's happening in Central Park. And he's like, Central Park, that's kind of weird. And I'm like, why would that be weird? Like, it's New York, number one. Number two, a shitload of people congregate <laughs> in Central Park. Like, that would be a good place for a terrorist to go after. You know what I mean? There's plenty of people out there running. That would be prime territory for a terrorist with a bomb or, like, a dirty bomb or, like, a neurotoxin to go out there. It's post-9-11, man. I mean, it's,
1: uh, you know, either buildings <laughs> or the subway. Where the terrorists sure, but not a park
0: that's full of Central people. Park. Yeah, that's, that's really weird. weird.
1: I mean, the population density is less than a building or in the subway. I mean, not I mean, every uh, terrorist you know. has a giant bomb, though. You know what I mean? Right. So that's more. I mean, that makes it more important that you pick the densest population <laughs> for your
0: attack. Okay. So let's let's stop let's stop talking about what the most <laughs> like logical <laughs> terrorist act would be. So I am gonna I am gonna go into a very specific regional beef. Okay. And so I, I live in New York. If you guys don't know, not a
1: fan of the Amish. No, 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 no. Mean? Just
0: I, I, I hang on. I'm, I'm gonna get to that, but I, I want to talk right away that like M Night Shyamalan is from Philly. Okay, he every one of his movies takes place in Philly. He's very Philly centric, in all of his movies he features Philly landmarks, Philly neighborhoods, shit like that. To his credit,
1: does he have a Philly cheesesteak in it? Because in this, like in this that. movie
0: he has a Philly cheesesteak in the background. Oh, and this is it. this is my regional Damn. beef. This is my regional beef. <laughs> because he's in an Amtrak train. He's in an Amtrak station. And behind the ticket counter on the opposite side of the Amtrak station is a Tony Luke's Philly cheesesteak spot, right? Anybody that has eaten a Tony Luke's knows that place is a fucking tourist trap, number one. And number two, their Philly <laughs> steaks suck. Everybody knows you don't go to Gino's in the Italian market. Everybody knows that Gino's and the place across the street from it suck. You don't go near there. That's where the fucking tourists go, right? For me, I go to West Philly to this place called D'Alsandro's, D'Alsandro's Steaks in West Philly, which have the best cheese steaks in Philadelphia. And everybody that brings up Nick's Roast Beef, I will fight you all day about Nick's Roast Beef. <laughs> it's like, But... I digress. I'm going down my my sandwich route again like I did with Birds of Prey. But it is a genuine gripe because I'm like, dude, you are from Philly. And if you are featuring fucking Tony Luke's as your representation of Philadelphia cuisine, even in the background, that's like putting McDonald's in the background and being like, oh, yeah, it's got good burgers. Like, get the fuck out of here, man.
1: I, well, maybe maybe he didn't want to ruin it by bringing all the fucking tourists to uh his
0: spot his spot yeah i guarantee you everyone's
1: got their own spot
0: i guarantee you that m night Shyamalan doesn't end up out at del sandro's del sandro's is way too far out for him and it's way too close to like the ghetto for him to actually like go there i digress (laughs) <laughs> Why are they taking a fucking Amtrak train, Paul?
1: Doesn't anybody have a car? Uh, have You ha- you live on the East Coast. Have you ever taken a train?
0: I've taken the subway. I don't take the fucking well. Amtrak, you know what I mean? Like, I don't take an Amtrak. I mean, it costs go-
1: like twice as much as a plane ticket, doesn't it? <laughs>
0: <laughs> it, do- it doesn't cost that much, but it's like, it takes like six times as long to go anywhere because there's all the stops in the way, you know? Like in order to get right. from here to Philadelphia in a car it'll take me like two and a half hours in order to get from Brooklyn to Philadelphia in a car. But if I was to take an Amtrak from here to Philadelphia, it would take me like four and a half hours, you know, and I'm not going to sit on the train. Like what the fuck? People have cars. So maybe in that's,
1: uh, yeah, maybe he lives
0: in New York. I don't know.
1: But I mean, he is a teacher at a public school. He doesn't so have a car.
0: He just, Have car, but he does have a fucking house. At the end of the movie, uh, Uh, this is a point that I wanted to bring up later, but I'll bring it up now. Is that his house at the end of the movie is in City Center? Which is one of the most expensive neighborhoods in Philadelphia, but nice. he has a house there, and I'm like, he's a fucking school teacher in a high school. <laughs> like, how does he have it's enough? money? wealthy. <laughs> how does he have enough money? Like houses in that area are like four or five million dollars. Well, I mean, Paul,
1: this was 2010, right after the crash. So you yeah, know they
0: were going pretty cheap back then. Probably
1: rode the. Uh, I mean, he timed the market and got no, in there. This just, is
0: like at the right point. This is 2008. This is prior to the crash. Ah. Uh, Wait, no, it's not. Yeah. This movie is 2008, dude. It was released a month Ah, before The Dark Knight. All right. right, So go fuck yourself at that point.
1: Ah, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. There's no way he could have bought that place then. (laughs) I was like. The run up of the market and everything like
0: that. Yeah. He
1: sold a lot. He sold a lot of cocaine, I think, is what happened
0: at the end. That's for sure. That's, how you play. That's for sure. You know, I want to get to that cop shooting himself in the head part because, like, he's standing there in the traffic jam and he puts the gun to his head and he shoots himself, but he puts the gun to his head outside of frame, like above the frame. And the the shot is that they want to show where the gun is going, the traveling of the gun for three people to shoot themselves at the gun, right? So the police officer, you see it, you hear it off screen. He shoots himself and he falls into the frame and he has a bullet hole right here paul literally right between the eyes perfectly but i'm like think about it this is a guy that's shooting himself he has to take the gun and turn it around like this and put it in his fucking eyebrow and then pull the trigger that is awkward as shit number one he has to be pretty flexible in order to do that number two to get it completely centered on your forehead like that
1: yeah it's pretty tough yeah see it's difficult when you try
0: it is the easiest way to use a gun (laughs) To shoot yourself, it would be in your temple. You pick it up, you put it to your temple, you pull the trigger. It would be off center, you wouldn't get it completely square in the temple, or you'd put it in your mouth and you'd shoot yourself in the mouth because it's really easy to do this with your your gun too. But not twist your arm around and do this. Hmm. But the gun moves Hmm. really far. It's like this, it's almost like a Disney trope. You know, like something, (laughs) a piece of trash like falling and like a rat picking it up and then like another character picking it up or whatever. I was just like, oh god. like The little kid kid in this movie is a terrible actress like i don't know how she got this job but like she is the worst <laughs> child actor since jake lloyd in star wars episode one phantom oh. menace
1: luckily i i don't remember too much screen time with her so that <laughs> that's positive I yeah think.
0: he definitely cut around her you can see for sure yeah so there's this other part in this movie where they, they go to that restaurant once they stop in that shitty town and he takes the mood ring off in order to put it on the little girl in order to cheer her up. And he puts it on the little girl and it's like this two shot that they're sent it on. He puts it on the little girl and he immediately says, ooh, yellow. That means, you know, you're gonna laugh. Even though in the shot, you can see that the fucking mood ring is still <laughs> blue. And I'm like, dude, this is a little filmmaking thing you know like i'm smart enough at least in order when somebody is drawing attention to the color of something that i'm gonna look at that thing and if it's on a giant movie theater screen that's 40 feet wide i'm gonna see it you know what i mean they were probably gonna fix it in post but they forgot well you know what they didn't fix in post Paul, is they didn't <laughs> they didn't fix the fucking bad lying green screen in the very next scene Not only does this woman pull up this fucking horribly violent video right next to this guy and this child (laughs) and, like, points... It's hilariously (laughs) bad. It's so bad. And, like, the green screen is so obvious. Like, not only is this great video quality for a 2008 iPhone, which would have been the iPhone (laughs) 3, but this shit is perfectly compressed. Like, no blocking, nothing. No weird compression artifacts. And that is some really off lighting on that dude. Like, whoever... (laughs) Whoever lit that guy. I love how his arm is, like, ripped off at the shoulder, <laughs> but the
1: lion is, like, holding it by the wrist. It's like, no, these are not doll mannequins. These are people. It doesn't, doesn't work quite like that.
0: But I don't so, <laughs> They're, si- they're sitting in the restaurant. the The owner of the restaurant or the cook or whatever draws attention to the movie theater screen, and like they show like the population of where the attacks are happening. And that one guy's like, "Where, where are we right now?" And he points to it, and he's like, "Dead center." And everybody freaks out and goes quiet for a second. And then one guy in the audience says, "Whatever this is, it's not occurring about 90 miles from here." So I'm like, "So he could guesstimate the amount of like distance on that shitty TV graphic." On where they are, where that guy pointed for half of a second to the edge of it, <laughs> how the fuck did he come up with that number? Some
1: some people are just good with maps. I guess, yeah. like. I uh, mean, maybe he's a local. He knows. Sure. Like, oh, yep. Yeah, that's uh, about that's ninety miles. Johnson but Town.
0: get the fuck out of here! Though, like <laughs> the the map is just like this. This like arbitrary drawing around a particular area it doesn't actually on the fucking map it doesn't show any goddamn like cities like boundary cities like they would on any actual news organization map (laughs) it's just like this glob with all these little dots on it and i'm like he could guesstimate that he knew the exact fucking scale of that map that was on the fucking screen for a tenth of a second gabe
1: what's what's important is it's happening (laughs) it's happening here need to go away from here where it's not (laughs)
0: happening so I wanna bring up a funny story for a second, okay? <laughs> so the the guy in this movie that drives up to them in the Jeep, that like weird guy that's like the the fucking horticulturist or whatever, and he tells them that he can give him a ride. That actor is named Frank Colison. Frank Collison, his most famous role, at least I feel, is in Oh Brother, where art thou? He plays Theodore Hogwallop, his cousin that like betrays um, them and he's he's right. like turns them into the law. The R-U-N and then O <laughs> F T
1: <O-F-T. laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that guy. That right. guy. Nice.
1: Very memorable.
0: I love that. Despite guy. his like two lines, I love that guy, dude. Yeah. And like yeah. Tim Blake Nelson yells out at him, he's like, I'm going to kill you, Judas Iscariot, <laughs> hog wallop. Never trust a hog wallop. <laughs> When I lived in LA, I lived in North Hollywood, which is on the north side of the hill in the San Fernando Valley. So I'm in Burbank, Costco one day, and I'm walking through the fucking aisleway, And I shit you not, I see Frank Collison up the aisle from me, like buying peanut butter. And I see this guy and I'm like, oh shit, that's that's him, right? And I'm like, I go about my business and a couple aisles later, I see him again. And I'm like, I'm looking at him kind of creepy, you know, and I'm like, yeah, <laughs> that's Frank Collison. So him. all I could do... <laughs> and I totally didn't mean for this to happen, but it's because I'm such a fan, is that I yelled out, never trust the hog wallop! (laughs) and this poor bastard this poor bastard that i'm fucking with turns around and he looks at me and he's just like uh thanks for being a fan and he like walks away and i was like oh shit man i totally like i made such an ass of myself i felt so bad (laughs) it just popped out because i was just like oh my god this guy is so good i love him but he's 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 one of the light like actual things in this movie that i like but in that same scene you know they talk about they keep talking about the John Leganzamo is a fucking school teacher, right? And that he works with uh, Marky Mark and he's a math teacher. And he's like, oh, people feel very comforted when you throw percentages at them, you know? So he's leaving and he's going to leave his daughter with him so he can go check on his wife in Princeton that hasn't answered her phone. She's dead. He, <laughs> she's <laughs> dead, yeah. But <laughs> he looks He looks at Marky Mark. He's like, oh, you want me to throw your, some, some percentages at you? And he's like, yeah, yeah, please, please. You know? And they're like laughing and crying at the same time because it's so goddamn emotional he says there's a 62 chance that it hasn't gotten to uh princeton yet and i'm like where did you pull that figure out of your ass from like princeton new jersey is a hour and 20 minute drive from new york from central park it is if you were to fly at the rate that the crow flies right across the fucking you know hudson river it would take you probably 15 minutes to get there which is about how long a pheromone from a tree might take in order to drift across the fair across the fucking river so where did you get the 62 percent figure and i get it maybe Maybe I'm reading too much into this, but I'm just like, dude, this is a fucking stupid line <laughs> and this is a fucking stupid moment. And for what? But then he has that really weird tone change where, you know, he's like, can you take my daughter, blah, 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 And like Zoe takes his, her hand and he's just like, don't take my daughter's hand unless you mean it. Whoa. What the fuck? I, I get he doesn't like this woman because like Marky Mark's been bitching about her or something, but it's not like she's been out whoring herself out, like banging every other guy. Like, <laughs> And he treats her like she's a fucking crack addicted whore. You know, it's just like.
1: Well, I don't know. Maybe, to me, it came across that he knew he was in serious danger of dying, and he thought he was going to die, and his wife was dead. So he's like, <laughs> you know, I really mean it. I mean it. If you if you take her your hand, you're basically adopting her from now on. So sure. make sure we're clear about that.
0: Yeah, and he said all that Do- with his eyes and his tone of. You're not.
1: You're not allowed to sell her for Nigerians crack money or whatever.
0: <laughs> so. I, I got a question, Paul. The the plant guy says the next MacGuffin, right? He lays the whole fucking thing about it, about how plants can communicate with each other and chemical changes. and And like <laughs> immediately, immediately after he lays this out, it's just like, okay, so- even if everybody were to listen to this fucking guy that's talking about hot dogs having a bad rap one second before, <laughs> to him laying out the whole fucking plan of the movie, what could they have done with that information? It's not like immediately if they just start disseminating this information to the White House that everybody would be able to stop and get to like fucking other areas that aren't populated away from trees and shit like that, especially in major metropolitan areas like the East Coast. You're like, what the fuck is he supposed to do with that information? It's just this non clever MacGuffin, so that way when you get to the end of the movie you're like oh my god the plant guy he laid out the whole what a twist oh my god it's like fight club when i never saw the 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 tyler durden connection it's not it's not that clever come on man, this is bullshit i'm tired of this fucking movie but can someone fucking tell the white girl in the jeep with john Legonzamo to not immediately scream so loud that it's gonna split my fucking eardrums open like She, she inevitably has seen at least something along the way, like to drive from Philadelphia to Princeton, New Jersey. She had to go through several areas where she would have seen large groups of people that possibly would have killed themselves. But only when they get to Princeton, New Jersey, and she sees the fucking guys hanging from the tree, (laughs) she starts screaming, Uh, like, can somebody just please tell her to shut the fuck up and slap her in the face? (laughs) so jess same thing jess uh i'm sorry not jess whatever her fucking name is the wife you know there's that scene where they're driving around the corner and they see those things on the road up ahead and they don't want to scare the little girl so she's just like they pull out the binoculars and they look at it and as they're looking through the binoculars jess is sitting right next i'm sorry zoe deschanel is sitting right next to jess the little girl and she's just like, as loud as, you know, normal conversation. It's bodies, isn't it? It's bodies, isn't it? And I'm like, can someone slap her? Like, Jesus Christ, she is scaring the little girl. It's he tell, And then he turns to her and he's like, girl, please just be quiet, you know, just calm down. Like, you don't want to scare Jess. And she's just like, oh, I knew it was bodies. Oh my God, I knew it was bodies. And I'm like, <sighs> like, how many bodies has she seen up to this point? And she's still freaking out about it. Like, come on, man. Like, how fucking stupid is this woman? <laughs> Then that fucking army guy drives up his expletive is all oh, oh cheese and crackers. I'm like is this is this written as a comedy because this this guy I think it's M Night
1: Shyamalan's uh take on a uh, Midwestern kind of podunk he's he's Uh, from
0: Pennsylvania man if he wanted to go with like the weird fucking Ozarks people he could have done that but even he knows they don't say that kind of shit I don't know I think he just like he heard he may have heard cheese and crackers from somebody at a party and he thought it was clever so he thought he'd slip it in in his next movie because he's a fucking hack and he doesn't know anything but my biggest (laughs) problem with this movie and you know this is a huge thing against Marky Mark is that Marky Mark has done this like constant thing where he does this confused face and i'm tired of it i'm so tired pretty good it looks yeah. like he's fucking constipated and i don't
1: i just hate it man he like he, he does do- make those veins in his forehead pop when he's like <laughs> he's confused So he
0: like furrows his brow in like this really weird yeah. way that it looks like he's constipated and he's trying to take a shit and i just <laughs> so all right these people are all gathered around and that woman gets a call from her daughter who's at, you know, in Princeton, New Jersey at college. And she starts saying like, oh, you're talking weird. What's going on? And she puts her on speaker and the the daughter keeps saying like calculus, something calculus, something calculus. And then you hear like the crash of the window and she flies out of the window, presumably killing herself. And this right. mo- this mother's crying and upset. Marky Mark takes the phone out of her and he says- Grabs a phone. <laughs> he, he listens and he says- I hear wind from outside and he hands her back the phone and I'm like, wow, yeah. Thanks. Some pretty Thanks, goddamn good Einstein. speakers. Einstein. Like, phone. is that what happens when somebody throws themselves out of a fucking window and you hear glass breaking that you're probably going to hear wind coming from the broken window? What exactly <laughs> is that line supposed to mean? Like, it's like, he's like this fucking scientist. It's like gathering information, but he's not putting in any sort of empirical context. I mean, it's,
1: you know, it's setting up the next scene where they're running from the wind. That's my point. So. It's just, it's just blatant it exposition. There's uh, no bad. point in it. <laughs> Fear the wind.
0: Uh, oh, dude. So the the army guy who's at the base, right? And he drives down he says like, oh, don't go that way. There's people that way. And then that other road, those other people come down. They're like, no, no, no. We just came from there. There's a bunch of people dying that way. He's like, okay, we're going to go across the field. So the next scene you see them all gathered around in front of the Humvee and the army guy is like explaining what he thinks is like needs to happen and he points to this realtor and he identifies this guy as a realtor. and He's just like this guy's going to tell us where we need to go because he knows the area the best. And I'm like, "Wait, you're in the fucking military, dude." You should know everything in that area. A lot of
1: people in the military just get stationed to a base and like so hardly ever th- leave it. This, so, this is a I side
0: mean, thing that you wouldn't know, you wouldn't know unless <laughs> you were from that area of Pennsylvania or you knew that area of Pennsylvania. The base that he's talking about is a reservist base. So like he would be an airman if he's on that base. But he's not. He's a U.S. Army infantry man driving a fucking Humvee. And I'm like, you don't even know who is stationed at this base that you're fucking writing about? Like, this is just blatant. You're not even doing the minimum amount of research. Like, again, I don't live in Pennsylvania. How the fuck would I know that? Is it because that I've been anywhere on the East Coast?
1: <laughs> fucking M. Night Shaw. Doesn't know the distinctions between forts <laughs> and bases <laughs> and, and all of those things. Just, you know, you're going to have to let that one slide, Gabe. Just let it go.
0: No, calm down. No, take breath. (laughs) So they run, and he says, "Like, uh, let's let's stay ahead of the the wind." And then they slowly turn, like in Jurassic Park, so they can see the fucking (laughs) trees blowing. (laughs) Like, what the fuck, man? Like, if this is supposed to scare me, it's not scaring me. I'm just like, come on, man. He's like, oh my god, they're running, and he's like, oh my god, here it comes. It's the wind. And they all stop and the wind blows around and then it stops and he's just like nothing happened but he's confused again. He's like could this really be happening?
1: Oh shit he said the name of the movie again.
0: (laughs) They keep saying the name of the movie but this leads me to the dumb fuck moment of the movie. This is not only the dumbest part of the movie but quite possibly the stupidest scene in film history over the last 30 years. And that's the scene where he's sitting in the fucking office and he stands up and he sees the tree in the corner and he walks over to it with his confused (laughs) face talking to it like he's gonna placate this tree from killing everybody and then he like touches it and he's like it's plastic i'm talking to a plastic tree i'm still talking to a plastic tree i'm like oh my god dude a little brevity come on game it is the stupidest stupidest scene i've ever like really the Um. stupidest (laughs) scene i've seen that I, I can't tell you mm. how angering it is every time I see that scene. I can't believe that it actually. Uh, so just
1: reinforcing the fact that he's a human being and he can make <laughs> mistakes and he doesn't have all the answers. Gabe, normal guy with fears and hopes and desires. <laughs>
0: So, lawnmowers actually have those riding lawnmowers have like an off switch that if that lawn that blade yeah. thing goes up too high, it shuts off the mower because they don't yeah. want somebody to fall yeah. off of it and get run over.
1: I think they also have an interlock on the seat. Yeah, so if you get off, a handle. Yeah. so if you fall off, then it just turns itself yeah. off instead of driving <laughs> through a playground full of children
0: or something like that.
1: But you know, maybe he like uh, had a rubber band and he <laughs> put that around the interlock.
0: I don't know, whatever it's fine it's a good death i'm not gonna lie i mean that was i yeah, I,
1: mean, I was expecting him to do the off-camera like reaction but instead they showed him getting sprayed like, out first yeah. initial like chunks so Very i was good. like all right i dig it i guess that's the r rating <laughs> you know, that's that's it. that's the only reason <laughs> oh yeah some children get murdered in
0: this movie that's pretty funny so... wait which children oh wait okay we're gonna this we're, yeah, we're, gonna, after we're, gonna, this, we're right? gonna get that in a second we're, we're right there i wanted to bring up that they run through the field they run through the field and there's a radio just attached to the fence so that way they can get more information that's a great yeah, it's pretty, great bit of exposition there i mean that was really convenient yeah, actually really convenient now that you think about it <laughs> and I, I actually i was asking my wife this paul like you maybe you can tell me this where did the slapping the electronic on the side in order to get it to work better trope come from was is that television that like oh. when we had CRT TVs with bunny ears that like if it wasn't tuned properly you'd smack it and it would like come back into Maybe. I, I oh. don't know where that comes from. I just from. do
1: that out of anger. <laughs> I was at like a, a grocery store and they had the 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 cashierless like scan oh, yeah, yourself yeah. thing self-checkout and it was, like yeah. malfunctioning and I was like, I'm like, I don't care. I'm gonna kick this because I'm angry. <laughs> And I did. And the the woman like supervising comes up and she's like, that's an inanimate object. It's not going to fix it. It's not going to make it
0: better. I'm like, well,
1: uh, thanks for making me feel like an asshole, but I'm still angry.
0: (laughs) Fix it. Mm. Fix it. (laughs) You know, Speaking of that, my favorite my favorite moment in film and television history with somebody like hitting something for it to work is in Aqua Teen Hunger Force, where Shake is like constantly smashing the televisions in order to get them to work. He's just like, if it doesn't want to get hit anymore, it'll straighten up and fly right.
1: <laughs> you know, hitting something can actually... Make it work electronically. So if it's a bad connection, bad solder joint, an impact, an impulse of force can actually jostle it back (laughs) into the circuit and make it function properly. Just saying. Yeah, you could see that. Engineering terms, it, it can work. It can also make it worse, but you know, it's not working. You may you as, as well hit it. I, I was
0: telling my wife that when I when I was younger, my, my parents' their first computer, like expensive computer that they bought, is that they bought. I think it was like ninety six or something like that. They bought a compact Presario PC two thousand or whatever, and it was this twenty five hundred dollar tower with Talk a two a, a two hundred megahertz MMX processor in it. And uh, God, I remember, Dave. I remember, it had. A, I have an <laughs> erection
1: when you're talking about
0: that. <laughs> and it has sixty four gigabyte hard. Drive drive, Paul. But anyway, so I'm sitting there and I can't remember what was happening, but my brother and I got in this habit of whenever this computer would freeze and it would start to lock, that we would smack the tower and inevitably it would work. (laughs) But... It got it got to the point that we were hitting it so much that like one day I hit it and it reset the computer at like black screen. And it started <laughs> up again. It was like wow, I hit this thing. Maybe a little too much uh, <laughs> juice there, game. Besides the fact we're getting off topic again, so. <laughs> This is this is the moment where we come up to the kids with the boarded up house, Paul. <laughs> so it's a boarded up house and somebody, they're looking for food for Jess. And the kids are saying that like, this may be the best place to find food. I'm like, how? It's boarded up. Like chances are, if it's boarded <laughs> up, there isn't any food in there. It's probably condemned building. But besides the fact, off topic, <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> Elliot, Elliot starts singing to prove that he's normal. And I'm like, dude, if I was that guy in that house with the shotgun, I would shoot him just out of petulance for him trying to fucking sing like that. I mean, that. they're on your property at that point. <laughs> it's kind of free range, you know. <laughs>
1: shoot anyone you want when they're on your property.
0: <laughs> yeah and then you know of course they shoot the black kid the only black character in this movie they shoot him and it's a kid on top of that and I'm just like come on man like what the fuck and then they cut to the slow-mo it's, uh the run and scream no but then, you know, it's it's yeah. just before the white kid gets shot when he, like, turns around. He's like, no, he's going to dive in in order to save the white kid. And uh, you see the gun slide out of the window and blow the white kid away. But when they don't actually show the kid get blown away, they cut back to Marky Mark. And there's the shittiest piece of filmmaking right there. <laughs> And that's that they use. I've done this before too, because when I was making short films and I didn't have any money, in order to do like a flash from a gun, what I would do is I'd have one frame that was completely white. It's just a white frame that you layer <laughs> over the frame, and it's just one frame. So it flashes for one twenty-fourth of a second, and you do like a, a multiply, like composite on it, and it looks like a flash. This is in this right. movie. This is a forty-eight million dollar <laughs> movie, and they have a white flash frame.
1: Well, I think the best. Best part about that is Marky Mark like goes to the body of the child and he's crying and everyone's like crying but nothing else happens after that. <laughs> Don't they just cut the scene after that? But like no, the, the, little, the little little girl runs murdered.
0: away. That's how they get out of the scene. Oh, okay,
1: but I mean, uh, <laughs> the dude inside the building has already murdered two children. <laughs> like, why not Bomb like kill him? everyone?
0: At oh, like why doesn't he kill everybody?
1: He's got he's got at least. I mean it was like a pump action. Hey, he's got so he's at least got at 5 least shots a couple yeah. more. Yeah. So why not kill Marky Mark? I don't <laughs> understand. Or, or Zoe Dashnell. I. I mean, just finish them. Yeah. And then you can get on with your life, bury him in the Cuz that would end the movie, kill Paul. We wouldn't have we wouldn't have any, oh, yeah. wouldn't have any charismatic
0: I mean, characters to attach. I mean,
1: the good part, <laughs> the good part about that scene is it gets rid of the two annoying kids <laughs>
0: and yeah.
1: So we don't have to deal with three annoying kids
0: yeah. just yeah, it's true. just one. At that thank god forward. for tender mercies i guess yeah, yeah yeah that's the first time i've ever thanked somebody for killing children
1: i guess children murder is probably an r-rated thing too i don't know, I don't know
0: man i mean in order in order to show like i mean you do see like that hole in the black kid's head when he's on the ground so that's that's pretty graphic you know and you know when usually when a child dies it's usually off screen and like that's how they can keep from getting an r rating because you're not supposed to kill kids in movies apparently besides the yeah. fact yeah so I, I hate in this movie when they cut to show like the the world of the event and they cut to those two old ladies sitting in their chairs and they're knitting and they got the fucking face masks on. Am I to believe that everybody in West Virginia, especially in Petersburg, is like a 70-something-year-old woman that's knitting? Well, I don't know. I mean, based on what I've been seeing, they wouldn't wear face masks in
1: West Virginia. <laughs> you know, it's...
0: <laughs> Yeah, that's, it's infringing that's on their freedoms. Sure. So. That's pretty true. Sure. But <laughs> uh, I wanted to bring this up because the next shot that they show for the world is I got
1: I got to digress for a second here. So, we're talking about Last Airbender like a few weeks ago, <laughs> and it just so happened that it popped up on Netflix right. the, the show I'm right, talking right. about, the animated show. So, I started watching it, and it's actually pretty awesome. <laughs> it's a good show, it's a good escape from everything falling apart in the world <laughs> right now. But last night, I went and watched Shyamalan's oh l- shit, live action Last Airbender. Okay,
0: wait, wait, wait. before you continue, yes. you had you seen Shyamalan's Airbender before? watching the the tv show i think i had but it didn't really stick okay so i mean I I for all, for all intents awful, and purposes this is a first watch yeah. of Shyamalan on yeah okay continue
1: but my god like that movie makes the happening look like a masterpiece <laughs> i don't know how else to explain it like I don't know what the (laughs) fuck happened. Like how it got so bad. I I remember seeing it.
0: I remember seeing it and being like, just shocked at how bad it was. But then right after that, he did After Earth with Will Smith and Jaden Smith, and that was even worse. And I was just like, my God! Like I didn't think it could get any worse than Airbender. He's a he's surprise on every level (laughs) because you're like, oh my God!
1: Amazing director comes out of nowhere. And then it just, like, gets worse and worse and worse. And there's no, like,
0: bottom, <laughs> as far as I can tell. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. Another question, Paul, that I have for you, is Marky Mark constantly out of breath in this movie? Every scene. I think
1: if you watched the Marky Mark, like, DVD course on acting, you would <laughs> find, like, his take on portraying urgency in a scene it's just like go for a run really quick come back and do the scene and it will feel like you
0: have more desperation and energy and everything like that so So. we move on to the scene where they end up at the final house that they end up at right with the creepy old woman creepy old woman is on the porch she's rocking back and forth and she turns around she looks at him they have like a little bit of pleasantries exchanged, but she's obviously like standoffish and she says You're eyeing my lemon drink, aren't you? Who the (laughs) fuck calls it lemon drink, Paul? (laughs) It's who the fuck calls it that? It's Uh, lemonade. I don't know. You know
1: what I mean? Like, could be a a pop versus soda versus Coke kind of thing. I mean, maybe so. I haven't. It is rural Pennsylvania, you know. (laughs) It could be lemon drink. I mean, maybe it's country time lemonade mix. And so it's lemon, it's not real lemonade. It's just lemon
0: drink Uh, 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 i mean she is hayseed (laughs) from the fucking woods if i ever saw one but this woman is like some of the worst acting in the movie right like she invites (laughs) them to supper and they're sitting there and she gives them all this food and they're sitting around and talking and this woman's like making fun of zoe deschanel and marky mark's relationship and little jess reaches in to grab a cookie off of the table that's full of a plate of cookies and a plate of food and she just ate this big pile of food and she slaps the shit out of this poor little girl (laughs) and she says like don't touch things that aren't yours and like they just cut to the next scene and i was like what the fuck is that what was like what what does that inform me about this character she's crazy i know she's 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 crazy she called lemonade lemon drink i know the bitch is insane (laughs) but she doesn't need to slap the shit out of her like come on man that's so fucked up whatever
1: i looked it up on the internet no one calls it lemon drink so she's crazy they go. don't
0: call it lemon drink in the ozarks no
1: it's not the ozarks man that's in missouri shit. i'm sorry
0: i'm sorry <laughs> i'm sorry what are, what are, what do they call what do they call the uh rural pennsylvania where the fucking amish hang out what do they I don't call? Oh, do ah shit I don't know. regardless This leads me to dumb fuck moment number two, Paul. And that's the scene where she's standing there in her nighty, and the old woman says, like, I heard everything you said. You're planning on murdering me in my sleep, aren't you? And Marky Mark, they cut to Marky Mark and he's like,
1: what? No! It's got like this sarcasm to it. It just doesn't make sense, right? I don't
0: yeah, it's it's such a weird moment. And I'm like I want to know. I really want to know what M Night had told Marky Mark about this moment. Like what's your objective here? And like I want to hear what that conversation is because it's <laughs> like what is he playing at? Yeah. Like if you the number one worst thing an actor can do is play the end result. It's called playing the end result, and it's this idea that like, if the scene is intense and somebody's yelling at somebody else, that they're playing the end result, which is anger. But anger is like this nebulous thing that can be interpreted in any number of ways, but it's not a specific objective, right? Like in any argument, like there's there's a, another objective that you can give actors that's more specific and it's called needling, right? And it's like, you look at an actor and you say, you know, really needle him, you know? And you like, you go into a little bit of character backstory and you say, you know, like maybe this is an argument that's been stretching on for a few weeks. And he said something passive aggressively and you're going to stick it back to him and you're going to needle him with it. And that's going to be like the fuck you. And that's where the anger is coming from is this one specific thing rather than playing the end result, which is anger. And so like this, a lot of this movie is just playing the end result. Like this is supposed to be like awkward and maybe placating her and like trying to save face, even though she's nuts. But like the way that he says that line is way off, and I don't know yeah. what the fuck that like intention was or what know. he was aiming for, but he maybe totally they had a scene it.
1: that they filmed and it was all about Marky Mark and Zoe Dashnell plotting <laughs> to murder her, <laughs> and then they decided to cut that scene, but then they left the comment from the old lady in <laughs> the final movie, and so that's why he has that weird sarcastic oh no, I wasn't maybe. gonna murder you at all, no, maybe. Is way out of place. I don't know what the fuck happened. <laughs> I don't understand. Like, he has, like, Sixth Sense has some amazing acting from yeah. Bruce Willis. Some great directing, Ed. too. Yeah. Well, I mean, so where does his, like, acting directing go wrong in this movie like how does it go so bad they just not give a shit I mean or if, if, is there's, it just if there's nothing in the script he's worked for you with to... other strong actors in the past that know
0: how to interpret his bullshit and I don't know man I mean it, it could be because like you know Bruce Willis did two movies with him and like that definitely counts for something because like he knew a little bit about how Knight worked in order to do Unbreakable and like Unbreakable is also filled with some really great acting and some great directing you know what I mean and like maybe, maybe Marky Mark is so out of his depth here that like. They were just shooting in the dark but if you have a script that doesn't have anything like explicitly spelled out that everything is just like alluded to and whatnot like you're you're gonna be shooting in the dark anyway because you don't understand what you fucking read anyway i mean marky mark has gone on record in interviews saying that he regrets making this movie and that the only reason that he made this movie is because he wanted to play a science teacher because he had never played a science teacher before i was just like that was your reason (laughs) like (laughs) jesus christ (laughs) You want people huh, to think, think you're smart think or what?
1: They've got their own <laughs> motivations to be in a movie, I guess.
0: So uh, I'm going to go into another filmmaking thing here for a second because Elliot, in the next scene after the night, you know, he wakes up and he calls out Mrs. Jones's name and he can't find Mrs. Jones, who's the creepy old lady, and he opens that room on the first floor and he knocks on the door that's like slightly open he says mrs jones and he opens the door fully and we see him walk they cut to the reversal we see him walking toward the camera as we're dollying back and he sees something in the frame that we don't see yet and he's like mrs jones mrs jones and like we cut to the reverse over his shoulder and as we're dollying in we realize that what's on the bed is this very creepy looking doll right i'm like okay So from a filmmaking perspective, this is creepy, but from a logical perspective, he opened the door and he saw what was on the bed. He's not honestly stupid enough in order to believe that that doll that looks like a fucking doll is Mrs. Jones to call out her name a second and a third (laughs) time as he's walking up on the doll but whatever, you know I mean? This is just a filmmaking thing that's fucking irritating, whatever.
1: Maybe he was just panicking about seeing the creepy doll and was trying to get (laughs) an explanation from Mrs. Jones as to
0: why it was there. So going back to the shitty (laughs) directing part, he wanders through the the house confused looking for Jess and his wife, right? But he was told one fucking scene ago about the talking tube. So he's wandering through the house (laughs) listening and he's just like, you know, Jess, whatever Zoe Deschanel's character's name is, Jess. And he wanders through and he finds the fucking tube. And he like, he completely forgot this, even though it was only a scene ago. And this is a very specific <laughs> thing. This isn't like, oh, it has an intercom. And, you know, oh, maybe everybody has an intercom in the fucking United States. This woman literally precedes this with that. It's left over from slave times. that maybe it was for the fucking underground railroads. That way they could speak to people, you know, that they were hiding in the fucking... Whatever. Hear everything. She's very clear about that too. Very clear. And I'm like, this is such an unusually specific piece of information, (laughs) but he somehow forgets this immediately because he's a fucking moron. But the worst part about this scene is the very next moment right they're both so selfish that they want to be together that they are willing to put themselves in danger and even kill Jess to be around each other so like they open up the doors even though they know that this could infect them and this could cause them to die or like have Jess kill herself and they're going to sacrifice her life too because they're fucking selfish and they want to go and touch each other's penis or like not penis is what I saying? (laughs) touch each other's genitals they haven't been around each other for like a whole day like not even a few just the morning they haven't even been around each other for the morning but like they're like itching to touch each other even though it's only been like two hours that they've been stuck in this situation but then it says this is, the, this is the part that I fucking hated. Is it on the screen as they're standing there and you think that they're going to die? It says Arundel County, 9.58 a.m. I'm like, wow, really helpful subtitle clear. night. It's really clear where it is and what time <laughs> it is. But why is that important? Because it doesn't fucking tell me anything until five seconds later. We're like, oh, nothing happened. Shouldn't that have been after they have the realization that nothing's happening? That's Not before twist. they have the fucking realization. <laughs> You know, did you notice, Paul, that at the end, like when when they're in the scene, like after the event, and they're back in the house in Center City or City Center, and they're getting Jess ready for her day back to school, that she has the backpack, right? And she unzips the backpack, and it's an Avatar: The Last Airbender backpack, as like Knight's way of oh, like winking shit. at the audience. I did not. That that's see the that. next thing that he's gonna go ass oh, fuck Jesus. is it? Avatar. <laughs> I did not see that. It's very clever. And this is the worst part, Paul, yeah. is the very, very end. They fade out from black in Paris. The happening is happening again. Oh my God, it made it to Paris. You know, I got a very simple solution to this, Paul. They see something happen in America where all these people in densely populated areas are starting to die really quickly, right? Maybe they could, I don't know, stay inside, self-quarantine, and socially distance. <laughs> Maybe wear a mask. Oh, wait. People need haircuts and coffee, and that's slavery and oppression, apparently, if you ask them to stay inside when people are dying. (laughs) Whatever. Little fucking jab at every idiot out there that won't wear a fucking mask. Anyway. I will say nice. that's uh, the end of the happening. I'm not going to continue tearing this movie apart because honestly, I'm fucking exhausted trying to like bring up every goddamn been, thing. that been going ter- on for a while, Gabe, <laughs> a long time. <laughs> this has been my longest rant yet. Yeah, God yeah. damn this movie. I mean, the, we talked about this before with the village being kind of like his fall from grace because of the ending. But the the real life story behind that is, is that the studio like changed that ending. They didn't like the ending that Night had, which is that she walks out and she's blind and she can't find her way out of the woods and they start using the fucking creatures in order to fuck with her and they kill her. They kill her in the middle of the woods and they leave her. King Phoenix's character dies and like the secret dies with them. And they can keep control over their fucking like weird Mennonite village thing. That was the original ending and the studio forced him to change it. <laughs> this movie, the studio didn't force anything on this movie. This is just him fucking this thing up because he doesn't know how to direct anymore. Like it was the village and then this movie and then Airbender and then he did fucking After, after Earth. Earth. Yeah. It's like, it's one after the other after the other. And it just keeps getting worse, you know? But but I told you before, he did that. He's doing that TV show in Philly right now called uh, Servant for mm. Apple TV that I kind of like it. Like it's it's atmospheric and it's bold and it's not something that's like hackneyed that I would have expected from him.
1: Maybe if he's free from marital strife or whatever, he can make a <laughs> decent movie. I don't know. <laughs>
0: I don't know but I mean he's just he still suffers from the fact that he's just like this fucking guy that he thinks that his ego precedes him you know he needs to like take a step back and like reinvent what made his movies good and take his yeah. ego out of the equation because you can see it's his ego that's really driving him down this rabbit hole of being a shit director is he keeps yeah. looking up his own ass and he thinks his he thinks his farts don't smell anymore and it's like oh my god like stop inhaling your own gas and like think about <laughs> what you're doing for a second <laughs> <laughs> so paul talk to me about next week what do you think uh you thinking about anything that you haven't talked about in a while some movie that you might want to breakdown what did i
1: just watch recently i watched something but i forgot what it was already <laughs> yes.
0: you know what you know what i would really really like to break down at some point is uh the gus van sant uh remake of psycho with vince vaughn oh, and anne oh god Uh, yeah that that is a travesty (sighs) on i mean that's that's one of those rare moments where it really is like a tragedy of filmmaking it's like (laughs) oh my god because i mean even even gus and everybody else involved with it doesn't claim it as their own they're just like i know we made that we are probably all really high on cocaine and we didn't know what was going on (laughs) you know you know what I thought was going to be a terrible movie but it actually turned out to be pretty good I don't know if you've seen it it's called Colossal with Anne Hathaway Mm -mm. it's like this movie with her and Jason Sudeikis and like she plays this drunk girl that like her boyfriend breaks up with her in New York and so she chooses to move back to like her hometown back with her parents and uh, just to like get her drinking under control and get her life under control and uh, she starts noticing seeing like the big event in the movie is that this giant kaiju type creature appears (laughs) in south korea oh right and she's like
1: everything she does is like controlling it that's right yeah (laughs) and i saw
0: i saw the trailer i was like this is a really weird concept but it's probably going to suck and then i went and i saw it and i was like this is actually a good movie (laughs) big surprise there seriously if you haven't seen colossal go out and see colossal man It's it's on hulu right now i think Great movie, you gotta check and it
1: out. Do uh, Chappie or the one <laughs> with uh, a director's other one that
0: Elysium. Kinda Elysium. I kind of liked uh, Elysium, but like Chappie had liked two how bad violent, acting.
1: Roles. I liked how violent Elysium was, but there's nothing else going on for it <laughs> I was very disappointed because you know it was no District 9
0: I mean I keep waiting for him to come back with District 10 I'm like you know at some <laughs> point I'd really like for him to do that movie <laughs> but he just keeps doing like these bad uh, movies that are just I mean Chappie Chappie suffered because yeah. they cast like those really shitty rappers that were in South Africa and like two yeah. lead roles and they're god awful yeah
1: maybe we could do Avatar like <laughs> the <laughs> Avatar the James Cameron yeah, that's
0: definitely a possibility. I was I was actually just pulling up like recent movies I've watched, and uh, the Mummy with Tom Cruise is pretty much one of the worst oh movies God. I've ever seen in my life.
1: I haven't seen that, but I've heard heard a lot <laughs> about it.
0: Anyway, thank you guys again for joining us. Once again, that was the happening which nothing happened in, and it should never. <laughs> <fade>. <laughs> thank you for joining us, guys. We appreciate you being our audience. I appreciate you listening to me rant for a majority of this episode. M Night Shyamalan. You know there, M. Night Shyamalan just pisses me off, and I, I, I have to tell the world what an awful director he is because he just people keep paying to see his movies. I don't know why, like, he hasn't done anything that's interesting in 15 years. And I'm like, Yeah, Jesus Christ, at some point, at some point, he's got to run out All of right. like, fucking money anyway. thank you guys subscribe like comment on on any of our platforms let us know what you guys have seen let us know what you think is a terrible movie and until next time i'm gabriel chavez
1: yeah and i'm uh, paul Schendel.
0: have a good night thank you guys we'll talk to you next time